Welcome to the Spiritual Advantage Podcast, where we discuss how to make a maximum impact with our lives by fulfilling our divine dreams with divine favor, like the great men and women of faith throughout history. I'm Sam Stone, the Light Keeper. You are the light of the world, and I am the keeper. No pun intended. Let's begin. One of the major breakthroughs in technology as we enter 2023 is the increasing accessibility to AI, artificial intelligence, especially for writing and painting. Many of you have heard in the news lately that you can type a subject or a headline on the computer and it will write a pretty well-researched essay for you. That means you can ask AI to write an article or a blog post literally in seconds. My son recently told me that AI could probably write my sermons for me, but I doubt it because uh, I write my sermon based on my personal enlightenment from the scriptures. I get the message directly from the head office. But if what he said were true, AI could replace me and I will be out of my job soon. You have heard that AI could replace many jobs, including drivers and even doctors. AI would affect everybody's life, and your life would never be the same. The next car you buy might drive by itself. You get in the car, maybe in the back seat, without a driver in the front seat. Tell you where you want to go. Hey, Google, take me to the church and you just sit and read your book or chat with someone on the phone, and soon you are at your destination. Would that make you nervous or give you peace? For peace of mind, I decided to try out to see if AI could really write a sermon for me. So this week, I typed in the subject of my sermon on OpenAI, how to empty yourself. Immediately, a blinking cursor appeared as if it was thinking and researching from millions of sources on the internet. I was extremely excited as I wait for the outcome. Unfortunately, it stopped and sped out a question saying, I'm not sure what you mean by empty yourself. Could you provide more context or clarify your question? Well, I was both disappointed and relieved. Disappointed because I thought it could assist me with my sermon research and save me some time every week. Relieved because I realize I'm still not replaceable by AI. It has no access to the head office. Now I have peace. You know that I'm kidding. Actually, I have no worries at all because AI can reveal us knowledge but cannot replace our wisdom. It can think for us, but cannot attain enlightenment on our behalf, because it has a brain, but not a spirit. Peace comes from the Holy Spirit, as we discussed last week. Today, I'm sharing with you the second secret to inner peace. I began this new sermon series on how to cultivate peace within, starting last week. There are five pillars of inner peace, and I'm using the word peace P-E-A-C-E, as the mnemonic acronym to help us easily remember them. I hope this will kick off our new year on the right foot and probably help you make the rest of your life the best of your life. 
P for presence, E for emptiness. Last week, I shared with you the first pillar of inner peace is presence, by which I mean God's presence, and that we must protect God's presence in us at all costs. Because if you have God's presence, you have peace. We looked at how Joseph protected little Jesus from getting murdered by the tyrant Herod as an allegory for defending God's presence in us. You can review the message online later. Today, we'll learn the second pillar of inner peace from Jesus. The Bible reveals that Jesus maintained his peace by emptying himself in Philippians 2. What does it mean to empty himself, and how does it help you maintain your inner peace? Obviously, AI doesn't have the answer, but the Bible does. So let's discover the secret. Hi, in case we haven't met yet, I'm Sam Stone, the light keeper. You are the light of the world, and I'm the keeper. No pun intended. It's my calling to help you shine your brightest so that God is glorified in you and you are satisfied in God. Today is the first Sunday after the Epiphany and also a day to commemorate the baptism of the Lord. The scripture lesson for today is from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Listen to the word of the Lord. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, Suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending, like a dove alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Matthew 3, 13-17 Blessed are those who delight in God's Word. Thanks be to God. Jesus kicked off his ministry by receiving baptism from John the Baptist. John's baptism is known as the baptism of repentance. But Jesus had no sin and nothing to repent from. So why did he receive baptism? John was startled when Jesus came forward to be baptized by him. So he asked, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way, to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. Matthew 3, 14. Previously, John told people he was not worthy of even untying Jesus' sandals. He expected Jesus would baptize him instead of the other way around. After hearing Jesus' explanation, he consented. But scholars over the centuries have been trying to figure out what Jesus meant by for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. We understand Jesus came to fulfill all righteousness on our behalf because we have failed to fulfill it. But why is it necessary or proper for him to get baptized? Isn't his crucifixion on the cross the crust of our salvation? What role does his baptism play in his mission on earth? 
But when we put this in the context of the entire Bible, we discovered that from that moment forward, Jesus was about to face the storms of life. The eight winds from the eight directions would hit him hard. If he lost his peace, he might not accomplish the mission impossible to save the world. This fallen war is harsh on the prophets that brings change. It's even harsher on the Son of God. I previously talked about the eight winds of life. I won't repeat it here, but it's crucial to be aware of these storms of life. You can search that message in the archives. The point is that anyone trying to do the right thing in this fallen world will face the most severe storms of life. Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. Martin Luther King Jr. was murdered. Joan of Arc was burned at the stake. And you name it. That's the nature of the beast that resists change. If we want to maintain our inner peace in this fallen world, we must understand the mind of Christ and have the same mind as him. It seems John understood what Jesus was saying, so he consented to baptize him. If you have Jesus' mind, you have Jesus' peace that enabled him to stand still in the storms. What was Jesus thinking? We often ask WWJD, what would Jesus do? But the Bible teaches us, HWJT, how would Jesus think? If you know how Jesus thinks, you know what he would do. The Apostle Paul described Jesus' mind in a beautiful poem that helps us interpret Jesus' mind at his baptism. Paul said, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Philippians 2, 5-8. Here Paul said, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And then describe his mind in three verses. Paul was talking to a group of believers in Philippi getting attacked for doing the right things. He wrote this to teach them how to maintain peace in the storms by having the mind of Christ. It also reveals why Jesus came to receive a baptism and said, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Since baptism involves water, it reminds me of what Lao Tzu said, the highest righteousness is like water. You might have also heard Bruce Lee famously said, be like water, my friend. Water illustrates the secret to maintaining peace as we navigate the stormy sea of this fallen world. Let's look at how water resembles Jesus' mind and teaches us to empty ourselves. First, empty my pride. Paul said, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. Philippians 2.6 Jesus was God who became human, just like water that springs from the highest places on earth or from the sky, but flows to the lowest places. 
Jesus' baptism symbolized his public declaration of emptying his godly pride and privileges in assuming human status. Pride can make us confrontational and it disrupts our peace. Remember the way the water flows when it encounters an obstacle. It goes around it instead of hitting its head against the wall. Water adapts to the shape of the environment. When you put the water in the cup, it takes the shape of the cup. When you put it in your palms, it takes the form of your palms. Water has no pride, even though it comes from the highest places. As children of God, we have reasons to be proud. But if we are not careful, we could become like the Pharisees. They believed they were people of the untouchable upper class as descendants of Abraham. Their pride destroyed them, made them blind to see the Messiah, and turned them into peacebreaker than peacemakers. Pride also takes away our sense of humor. Children don't have pride, and that's why they are funny and peaceful. Well, mostly. One of the reasons Jesus wants us to be like children is to maintain our inner peace by keeping our sense of humor and be funny like children. Secondly, empty my ego. The next verse said, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, Philippians 2.7. Jesus didn't just assume human status, but became a slave to serve humans. Slavery is the lowest human status. In the same way, water just doesn't flow down, but stays at the lowest places. Oceans are the lowest places on earth where the water makes its home. We read about Jesus wash the disciples' feet, taking the form of a slave. If you assume the status of a slave, nothing can disturb your peace because you have no ego, no expectations, or no sense of entitlement. When Jesus told us to become children, he wants us to become egoless like them because most often the older we grow, the bigger our ego as well. I know it's not easy to attain egolessness because I also have an inflated ego. But over the years, I've discovered a secret. I've told you before, fasting can deflate our ego. It's both historically and scientifically proven. After baptism, Jesus went to the desert to fast for 40 days. We will talk more about this during Lent. But just remember that fasting is the most effective way to crush our ego. Most importantly, it strengthens our inner peace. Most of you know that I fasted for 40 days and many years before, and I would do it again if circumstances permit. But don't do it at home without consulting your doctor. Jesus said, Bless are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.3 the word poor here is translated from Greek, tokos, which means more than poor. It means destitute and empty that you must beg for the next meal. So it might be more accurate to translate it as blessed are the empty in spirit. The outcome is for there is the kingdom of heaven. So an empty ego is the key to the kingdom. What is the kingdom? A place of peace. 
Lastly, empty my limit. Once you don't have the ego, what's left, you might ask? What's left is your limit. Sometimes we try to be loving and patient and egoless and humble, but at one point we might say, enough is enough, I'm fighting back. That's where your peace ends. Our love and patience and humility and egolessness seem to have a limit. But here is Jesus' limit. He humbled himself and become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Philippians 2.8 If death is your limit, your peace is unlimited. At his most painful moment, Jesus asked God to forgive the perpetrators. That means his thought was lucid despite the harshest pain he endured. What amazing Pete it is. The Roman centurions who saw the entire thing said, Truly this man was the Son of God. Mark 15, 39. After they took his life, he rose again from the dead. When dead is the limit, you transcend death and becomes limitless. Water is limitless. When you boil it, it turns into vapor. When you freeze it, it turns into ice. It doesn't limit itself to only one form of living. It transcends its forms. If death is your limit, even the devil can do anything about you. If death cannot steal your peace, nothing else can steal your inner peace. After Jesus emptied himself in the water, the Bible says, And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. The moment you empty yourself, you become a sanctuary for God's Spirit to dwell. A life walking in the Holy Spirit is a life living in heaven on earth because the presence of the Holy Spirit is the presence of God's peace. Based on what Jesus said in John 14, 26 to 27. Then it says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Verse 17. Jesus' baptism pleases God because it symbolized victory over ego and maximized his chance to accomplish the mission impossible, to save humanity from this sea of suffering. Through what Jesus has done for you, you know you are also a child of God as a believer. As you claim the mind of Christ and empty yourself like him, God also says to you, This is my daughter, or this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. There we have it. Three steps to empty yourself, to cultivate peace within. Empty my pride. Empty my ego. Empty my limit. A simpler way to practice this is to be like water. Observe the way water behaves. Flow like water. Live like water. And transcend like water. Let's cultivate peace within to make the rest of our lives the best of our lives. That's it for today. I hope you find this message illuminating as much as I enjoy receiving it from the head office. Until we meet again, keep your light shining brighter and broader and harvest the fruit of profound love, joy, and peace.
and happiness. Amen. Bye now. Thank you for listening. If you would like to maximize your life and leadership by unlocking your spiritual advantage, please feel free to direct message me on Twitter at Samuel Stone or visit SamuelStone.com. I'm looking forward to talking with you. See you on the next episode. Bye now.